0: Hello, welcome back to our Clarity podcast. Clarity is a one-year experience for our church where we're trying to just get a better picture of Jesus to see him more clearly in the 2020 year. And uh, on today's episode, what we're going to do is we're actually going to link to uh, another podcast that we have here. It's called Out of Curiosity. It's a podcast where we try to uh, seek biblical clarity for modern questions, questions that we field from culture, questions that we get here At our church. And so uh, this question is actually going to be on what is Hanukkah? Where does it come from? Should Christians care? What do we do with it? And uh, that's the question that we were interacting with uh, on Out of Curiosity. And so if you are interested in this or want to interact with more of these questions, you can uh, subscribe to follow Out of Curiosity wherever you get your podcasts, or you can uh, go to oocuriosity.com. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Out of
1: Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Garland. And today we want to talk about Hanukkah. Um, I know growing up as a kid, I had some general awareness every Christmas season that there is a Jewish holiday called Hanukkah. And I just kind of thought, well, that's, that's Jewish Christmas, basically. But I, I was pretty ignorant about what it is. And so we just want to know, like, what, what is Hanukkah? And because we know that the Christian faith is born out of Judaism, that there's some connection here in our approach to God. And so how are they connected? What is Hanukkah and how do we relate to it?
0: Jewish Christmas as if they were like, as they a, were envious of our yeah, Christmas. Of, yes. and they, they, they made up another holiday all by themselves. Exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. not historically how that I think I also had the same thought. I think, and what well, we have to, first and foremost, uh, Hanukkah was first. It okay. came before Christmas. And so if anything, we, we, we would be envious of their Hanukkah, so Christmas yeah. came second. Uh, but yeah, what we want to do here is, as as succinctly as we can, just kind of give the backstory. I know uh, here in our city uh, we have a menorah down on our city square every year, and uh, when when my kids walk by and say, "What's that?" Uh, I kind of I kind of like being able to give them an answer. Not just because it makes me feel smart, but the story is really interesting, and it's really uh, it, it's really. Uh, compelling. And it also sits as a backdrop for a lot of our New Testament, what's going on in the story. So uh, we have to go history. Is that good with you? I love history. Right, we got to get into it a little bit. And uh, and we're basically just going to tell the narrative uh, of what took place and uh, kind of what it means. And and then we'll try to kind of put a bow on this one. So it will be nice and easy. So Perfect, the background yeah, yeah yeah, perfect, oh, yeah, you like that. Uh, the background of it is really is really pretty simple. The nation of Israel found themselves uh, disobedient to God and chasing after idols, basically through most of its history. Uh, right. They had a really hard time uh, being solely devoted to Yahweh and instead uh, they worshiped and served the the gods around them, and they found themselves consistently doing this, compromising with idols and God gave them grace after grace after grace after grace after grace, and yet also told them, if you continue to walk in this disobedience, then I will I will take you into exile. And what we see in the biblical story, and we can see this uh, in our Old Testament in numerous places, uh, God eventually did indeed bring judgment on his people. And in 586, that's our date, in 586, the Babylonians invaded uh, the nation of Israel, they destroyed Jerusalem and they carried into exile to Babylon, the Jewish people in huge numbers. And it was a tragic day. In fact, our book Lamentations in the Old Testament is basically a poem written about how sad this day mm-hmm. was. And this was a huge momentous day in the history of, in the history of Israel, God's people. And so uh, they find themselves now languishing in exile. Uh, their homeland has been destroyed. They don't have freedom. Uh, they're, they're, temple's been destroyed. They're asking significant questions about where is their God and why is he doing this? And what came out of that is uh, a rededication to obeying the Torah. Hmm. And so a a dedication to say, no, we are in exile because we weren't devoted to God. And as the people began to repopulate the land, about 70 years later, they come back to the land in small numbers. And what they find themselves uh, now is back in Israel, but they have foreign rulers who were over them first they had the persians who were over them the persians get taken over by the greeks that's our alexander the great uh reference here Mm -hmm. in the out of curiosity so alexander the great takes over the persian empire and now the greeks are in charge Uh, and as the greeks are uh ruling and reigning in this particular part of the world they had divided their nation into four states we might say one of those states was over the place called israel and a particular ruler over that state was especially nasty to the Jewish people. The Greeks did not like them; they did not value them. They they had a bad history of being pretty brutal to them. But one guy in particular, he has a great name. His name is Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth. That's a great name, Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth. He was especially bad. And here's what he did: uh, he went to the temple. So the Jews had rebuilt the temple by this point. Uh, just just to show his dominance and power and also as a way to, to embarrass and to to belittle the Jewish people, he went into the temple. He desecrated the temple. He set up a statue of Zeus in the temple. And on the altar of God, where the burnt offering and all those things were meant to take place in reverence to Yahweh, uh, he had pigs uh, sacrificed and slaughtered there, which was a complete and utter just way to, to render unclean and to mock and ridicule God's people. Because pigs... They were seen as an unclean, unclean animal. animal. And so this was, a, this was something he did that was completely and in every way an absolute abomination. In fact, uh, in the book of Daniel, this is referred to as the abomination which causes desolation. We can see that in Daniel's, uh, Daniel 11. And so when we see that take place, the Jewish people have to respond. What are we going to do? Antiochus also sent out, this is just, it's so interesting how some of these stories develop and how these things happen in history. He sent out to go town by town, a statue of Zeus and some pigs to be slaughtered. And he would force and compel Jews to do it. So they're going town by town. And in one particular town, a Jew was being forced to slaughter this pig and another Jew, his name was Mattathias, and he saw this, and in zeal for God, and in passion to say, no, 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 no! this is not how it will be. We will not worship and serve these pagan gods. We're not going to fall for this. He was so inflamed with rage and zeal, he killed the Jew that was offering the pig, and he killed the guys who brought the statue into the town, and essentially said, follow me, we are starting revolution. Wow. And so, essentially, very similarly to how we celebrate, we might say, like the Boston Tea Party mm-hmm. or these momentous events of defiance in American history. Uh, that was this moment for the Jews in the first century. The date of this would be 167 BC. Okay. So, about a year later, a group marches on the temple and they cleanse the temple. Of all of the, the Greeks who were there. And they basically march on it in military fashion. And now this, this group is being led by a guy with a great name, Judas Maccabeus. And this word just basically means Judas the Hammer. That's his, Hammer. That's his uh, nickname, Judas the Hammer. He goes up with his family and a group of essentially soldiers. They retake the temple. They throw out the Greeks. They, uh, they, they kill people that are standing in their way. And they say, We're rededicating the temple. As they looked, they had one night's worth of lamp for the menorah, which was the light that was in the temple and that's the the the, the candelabra thing that yeah. we see at Hanukkah as the story goes, they had enough oil to to feed that lamp for only one night well wow. they began to light that oil and, the, and light the lamp and what happened was uh, to as the story goes by supernatural power, God saw fit to use that one night's worth of oil for eight nights. Wow! And over the course of those eight nights, God's light was shining. It was almost God's way of saying, I am, I am, I'm with you. Mm. I am re I'm being re brought into this temple and I'm rededicating myself to you as you are rededicating yourself to me. This is a good thing. Yeah. And so uh, we see this story, by the way, in first and second Maccabees, it's a book that is in, some of our Roman Catholic friends' Bibles that Mm -hmm. we uh, don't have in our Bibles. It's really interesting, though. Here it sits in what we call the apocryphal books. And this story, as the story unfolds, they say this night, these eight days, are to be commemorated for all of your history. And this rededication of the temple, the word Hanukkah just simply means dedication. This rededication took place in 165 B.C., and okay. so that 165, 163 years or so before Jesus' birth, we see uh, this story of Hanukkah take place. And it's actually, as I think about it, I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, passion and zeal for God against anyone who would desecrate the Lord, anyone who would speak bad about the Lord. And this is to commemorate that that people in their devotion to the Lord were willing to do anything to, to make God's holiness back on display in their mm. land. Uh, I asked my wife a couple of years ago if we could uh, uh, do, after Christmas, if we could do Hanukkah that year in our family, <laughs> and she said no. In a story. End yep. of story. Just done. She just went, she shut it down. She went, yeah, yeah, we're no. not going to do that. I was like, no, but it's like this awesome story, Judas the Hammer, and he rededicated the temple. She said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, no, this is an amazing story. Anyway.
1: So, so let me put it together though, because if that happens 165 BC, and that means it becomes a Jewish holiday, so Jesus would have celebrated Hanukkah.
0: Likely. Yeah. yeah. This was something that the Jews did as a, like, just like we do every single year, we have uh, holidays that we remember Mm -hmm. things that took place in America, like July 4th, we're celebrating the signing of the Declaration of Independence. This was, it was an act of defiance, by the way. This was similarly celebrated in the Jewish culture as well. Cool. So
1: how, I mean, just, I don't know, thinking about our, our biblical perspective on this story as we're trying to come up with what does it mean for us as Christians to understand this as a part of God's working with his people, uh, where, where does that fit? How do, what, do we, what do we take away from it?
0: I think what's most significant for us is recognizing that this sort of zeal for God to work, this mm-hmm. zeal for God to come and re- reclaim his people, this zeal for God to come and liberate God's people from foreign oppressors, that kind of zeal and passion and hope and longing, that actually sits as the background for much of what we see Mm. in our New Testament. That is the, we might say, the air that the Jewish people were breathing, because the independence that the Jews had here under this Maccabean, we call it the Maccabean Revolt uh, here in 165, that independence didn't last. The Romans will actually squash it, and now when we get to the time of Jesus, the Jews find themselves under Roman occupation with similar kinds of ways they were belittling God and they were they were uh they were outlawing God, they were being rude to the Jews. And so all of this is in the backdrop of our New Testament. And so I've always found it interesting when Zechariah and Mary and Elizabeth, when these characters receive word that the Messiah is going to be born, their response is this Song of liberation, this song of being set free from exile, this song of being of having the oppressors removed. And when I read that now, I'm always like, "Well, wait, what about sin being forgiven?" And this Mm -hmm. sort of—that's not what they're talking about at all. Well, that's because they're sitting under occupation, longing for their exile to be be removed and their right relationship to God to be restored. And so, this Hanukkah story is sitting as a very clear uh, yearly example of something that all the Jews were longing for. And that, that exile
1: is tied to their sin. So with yeah, so restoration absolutely. from exile has to come forgiveness of
0: sin. It has to come forgiveness.
1: And even as you were talking about that, the idea of the the cleansing of the temple from the Greek um, the Greek gods and all the, the things that Antiochus Epiphanes had done like instantly I, I think of the backdrop of Jesus cleansing the temple. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so only for when Jesus comes, he's not cleansing the temple of foreigners; he's cleansing the temple of Israel. Absolutely, and so he's he's cleansing the temple itself in an interesting way. So I have to imagine some of that symbolism had
0: to be present even in the actions that Jesus is doing his own day. Yeah, what's absolutely fast? What I think is fascinating is the Jews are expecting a liberator to come and rid them of their enemies, Mm. and then their in their minds are thinking Rome. Yeah, Jesus comes and says, "I'm here to liberate you from your enemies," but he's taking it significantly deeper than they thought. He's going. No, no, no. The the real enemy is sin Mm -hmm. and death that is enslaving you. I can give you a kind of liberation and a kind of freedom that is even greater and grander and deeper. And it's just it's so fascinating what's going on when we look at what Jesus is actually doing when he comes into the scene. And so this. This Hanukkah story is really, really significant as a backdrop for our New Testament. So I, I hope that this is helpful just to kind of get us thinking this time of year and also just so we can know what to answer when our kids ask, what's up with that those candles uh, when they're walking around, you know, somewhere out in the, in the public's uh, arena somewhere. Cool story of God's faithfulness to his people.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for that, Garland. And uh, I think that did what we were hoping for, bring some biblical clarity to a modern question. Thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity.
0: Thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed what is Hanukkah and where does it come from. For further study, we suggest that you check out First Maccabees chapters 1 and 4 and the books Jesus and the Rise of Early Christianity by Paul Barnett and The New Testament and the People of God by NT Wright. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to OOCuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at OOCuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.